Yo, yo. Welcome to the Unlearners Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy. As always, joined by my fearless friend, the dude. I was going to say hetero life partner, but uh, that's fine. <laughs> I stole that from a movie. Hey, hey Andy. How you doing, my man? It's been, uh, been a little while since we met up for one of these Album Nerds podcasts where we nerd out on albums and talk about some of our favorites. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, it's been at least a month, maybe more. Hard to tell nowadays. I think uh, the days have all blurred as they have this year. Well, if you if you haven't noticed, the world's on fire. Literally uh, still. on fire lately. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but not much going on, you know. There's this, of course, the uns- the the virus that will not be named, <laughs> and I hear rumors that there's some sort of political stuff going on, but I'm not really aware of that too much. I've been too focused on my own life and music. How about you? I'm trying to stay focused on music too. That's like the one <laughs> shining beacon of hope out there right now. Uh, yeah, in the world of music, there has been some bad news. Eddie Van Halen of the band Van Halen has passed away. Broke cancer. I don't know exactly. I know he's dealt with cancer for years, and he finally succumbed, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a, that's a real bummer. I was surprised to see him go at such a young age. I mean, I remember growing up and listening to a lot of his stuff on the radio and being pretty blown away by the guitar prowess yeah i got a little eruption in the background from their very first album um yeah guitar hero in many mm-hmm. ways and uh just a cultural icon and um kind of revolutionized hard rock guitar for the 80s and 90s and he'll be missed and i'll be listening to a lot of van halen records in the next few weeks and i think that's probably the same for a lot of people yeah so that's the way to go check out some van halen if you're not familiar with their old Stuff. I mean, their most recent album was probably 2006 or something, but um, the old stuff is great. It's it's amazing. Yeah, what's a good album recommendation for the people who maybe aren't? I mean, 1984 fan. is the biggest, most popular, well-known album. It's got Jump on it and Hot for Teacher. Mm. Um, their debut album is great. Uh, Women and Children First, we talked about on the show. That's awesome. All right, yeah. And... Uh, you know, then there's the Sammy Hagar years as well. All right. Well, yeah, maybe uh, maybe some of that old stuff would be nice to... Yeah. And, you know, there's something about, like, the fall and guitar music that I think go very well together. I always find myself listening to a lot of Hendrix, so maybe I'll sub in a little Van Halen this year to... There you go. All right. Yeah, well, um, our thoughts and prayers with Eddie's family and Absolutely. all the fans out there. On this week's show, we have our usual... Uh, set of records here, two new releases to what we call old dogs from our collection. Going to be uh, gallivanting through the genres as we like to do a little bit of uh, alternative rock, even a little disco music, a little different for us. And then I uh, got some some good uh, classic classic rock and some '90s alternative to, for good measure at the end there too. So be sure and stick around. We'll uh, kind of cover that as we go here. Yes, sir, we will. Before we play the first record or start talking about the first record, just mention that we do have all these records up on a playlist on Spotify. Just search for Album Nerds. You can stream the show there and also kind of listen to the tracks we're about to feature. So let's get going on these records. On these, uh, We're going to start off with two new albums. Here we go. 
Okay, so I'm going to start with a band named Violent Soho. The album is Everything is A-OK, and the track is Sleep Year. All right, so that was Violent Soho from the album Everything is A-OK. The track was Sleep Year. That's some rock alternative 90s style, if I ever heard it. The album was uh, actually released this year in 2020, this spring. Uh, They're an Australian alternative rock band. They were formed in 2004. And their sound's been compared to that of the 80s and 90s alternative rock bands, such as the Pixies, Mudhoney, and Nirvana. This is their fifth album. Andy, any knowledge, foreknowledge of this band previous to me picking it for the show? No. I was uh, surprised that they've been around for like an adult lifetime, like 18, 18 years, I think, I read. No, they don't sound old. And I hadn't heard them before, so. Yeah, I mean, uh, so that track in particular, I mean, the the guitar riff itself sounded to me a little bit like the Foo Fighters. Totally. My hero. Yeah, You know, so it was yes. some, a, a couple of times I sang along, there goes my hero, um, which <sighs> I'm okay with that, but I can't, it was killing me. I'm like, what does this sound like? What does it sound like? But uh, throughout the album, there's a lot of, familiar sounds wouldn't you say yeah there are it's it's strange because it's not really a consistent like oh this is a sounds like a Foo fires record they kind of jump around from different right i guess more popular famous bands uh from the 90s definitely i know we both talked about this definitely shades of smashing pumpkins at times especially yes the guitar and the vocal styles can sound very billy corrigan-esque which i think is a good thing i heard a lot i don't know if you remember the band uh they're popular, like mid to late nineties, uh, local H. They had yeah. a very yep. similar vibe, a kind of stripped down sound. Yeah. Silver chair. I, I saw them come up a lot in, in comparisons with you know, other Australian bands. Yeah. They definitely, you can tell they're pulling a lot from that, like mid to late nineties yep. alternative rock sound. And I like, I mean, it's nice to hear. I mean, I, I actually was looking at the new album from Hum. Do you remember Hum? Yeah, they just I they do. just came back with an album, and it was a little too drony for me. And then I found this, which had some similar sounds to it as the Hum album, and was more diverse and interesting to me. Because there are moments where it sounds kind of like some maybe mid nineties pop punk, mm-hmm. which I'm not a huge fan of. But when it's sprinkled in, that's cool. Yeah, kind of like a like Green Day type sound. Would you say at times? Yeah, yeah, here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I found a quote where the guitarist vocalist Luke says, um, it's honest. It doesn't claim to be anything it's not. It's apolitical, slacker, cynical, and trying to connect with people over a shared experience and pointing out society's failures and the personal shit that follows, which is sounds like the flag that was flown throughout the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I, I assume that they were kind of growing up at that time and very influenced yep. by these bands and yeah the slacker vibe that was like the word i was trying to figure out like what is yeah. that energy they have it's totally like that yeah there's a tiredness in the 
vocal style, you know, yeah, where it's I like, I'm bored like, with this. You know? but <laughs> yeah, totally. It, it fits. So I really, I really, I had never heard of this band before. Okay. Um, and I went back and listened to their old albums, some of which were more silver cherry, mm. the, the older ones, and then some were much more pop punky. Like throughout this one uh, was a nice mix and I did enjoy it. I'm not sure that I'm like a diehard fan, but I do like, I like their name and I like the album name and I like the sound and I've enjoyed listening to this with something uh, old and something new all at the same time. So I definitely would recommend if you're into that kind of music and you want to hear something you haven't heard, please do check out Violent Soho. Everything is okay. Um, I think you'll dig it. It's a fun, it's a fun listen for sure. It's catchy, but you know, I, it sticks with me too. And all these choruses have been in my head the last few weeks. So good find, man. It's, it's interesting to hear like the sound that we grew up with, or at least I grew up with kind of like coming back in like a slightly different flavor now that we're seeing those kids make their own music. It uh, makes me feel old and young at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does. Okay, all right, so for my first pick here, I'm going to do something quite a bit different than usual. I have a, what I would consider a disco record from an artist by the name of Jesse Ware. Um, the album is entitled What's Your Pleasure? The cut we're going to play is towards the beginning of the record. This is Soul Control. So this is Jessie's fourth studio album. She's, uh, I believe, from London. Primarily just provides the vocals on this record. Really fell in love with her debut record back in 2012 by the title of Devotion. You know, I guess, like, I kind of, again, like that throwback sound, I guess, to, like, late 70s, early 80s dance music. Yeah, I didn't like this record very much when it first came out. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, well, right, thanks, for, thanks for bringing it. The show <laughs> well, it came out back in June. Um, it took about two or three months for me to really get into it. And I'm glad I did because I really, really have been enjoying it since then. What are your initial thoughts, man? So I went into it seeing your notes saying disco. And yeah. it just sounded like an a album from 1982 or three or four. Like mm-hmm. one of Prince's, you know, he had all those uh, like Sheila... Uh, Sheila E, Sheila e. and yeah. like, but he had these he had these groups and singers, female singers they'd write songs for, and the the synthy stuff is very eighties. It's funny though because it is disco-y, and as I've gotten older, I've realized how close pop dance tracks were in the eighties to disco, but disco, disco yeah. was shunned by that point. So in my mind they had very different sounds, but in reality they don't. <laughs> you know, it's very yeah. it's very disco influenced that eighties. Right. Uh, pop right. Sound. Yeah. I mean you could say like I don't know, I never heard anyone say Prince was disco, but there's definitely a lot of influence from those yeah. earlier decade of that sound. Well disco and funk are tied together and you know, it it all comes from each other, but it, it, when you're in it in the moment, in that time, 
they're completely different to you. It's later being able to see a larger picture that uh, you can exactly. see the connections. Yeah, a little bit of perspective goes a long way. So, that, I mean, that being said, there's that vibe. I wouldn't say this sounds like this record was made in the 80s. Um, there's uh, modern flares to it, I think. Yeah, there's certain songs that you could play for me and I would believe were from the 80s, but then that's not the case for the whole album. Yeah, and that, so that's a good, that's a good point because... As is often the case with these dance type records, the production is handled by various people throughout the record. Five of the tracks were produced by James Ford. I think some of my favorites were produced by him. Um, um, where's vocal delivery? Never sounds strained. It's always kind of this effortless, almost, I don't want to say raspy, but like kind of more breathy. Yeah. Uh, like whisper almost at times. Yeah. Um, a very Janet Jackson from the early, you know, from uh, the mid eighties, Janet yeah. Jackson, where it was kind of a little under the mix and very <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's supposed, I think it's supposed to have a sensual, but yeah, I was thinking sensual. Yeah. Well, Cause yeah. the songs are about, you know, like love and, you know, meeting people on the dance floor and, you know, all the things that go unsaid and, all those types of things that you'd expect in a, in a dance record like this. But I think the quality is super high. The thing that really blew me away is the consistency of the record. There's 12 tracks and it comes in, you know, over 50 minutes. I think every track on this record is fantastic and deserves to be, you know, played in the club because I think that they all work surprisingly well. So yeah, I, you know, if you're a fan of like, like we said, Prince or Rosen Murphy, I think you would appreciate this record a lot i you know it's been getting a lot of buzz and i think deservedly so i wouldn't be surprised to see it in some year and less come uh come december oh yeah thank you andy it was enlightening i certainly wouldn't have stumbled on that myself so go check out jesse Ware. what's your pleasure all right i think it's that time to go back to some actual old music instead of new music that sounds a little old what do you think <laughs> right. Sounds good. Old dogs. All right, it's old dogs time here on the Album Nerds podcast when we dedicate some some time and love and some care to older albums that we still listen to and have loved for years or have really impacted us. Uh, even stuff that's impacted us recently that uh, was recorded a while ago. So I'm going to start with a band called The Who. The Who's album that? is <laughs> The Who. <laughs> the- Exactly. The album is called Who's Next? And we're going to start with the track Bargain. All right, so that was the Who uh, bargain from the album Who's Next. Uh, that came from 1971, a wonderful year in rock music and a really awesome record by the Who. For those that don't know, which probably many of you do, the Who are an English rock band formed in London in 1964. Uh, Roger Daltrey, Pete Townsend, John Antwistle, and Keith Moon. Um, they're considered one of the most influential rock bands of the 20th century, sold over 100 million records worldwide. This was their fifth album, 
and um, I it's my favorite, and I think it's many people's favorites. Andy, any, I mean, how much Who music have you listened to prior to this? Well, you know, I've been alive for a while, so I have heard of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> I listened to this record before. Okay, I agree. I think it's this, and I want to say, "Who are you? Who are you?" Right? Is the other yep. the other big one? Um, yeah, I'd kind of go between those two as like kind of like the definitive Who record. Um, but I hadn't really dug into a lot of the other tracks that you don't hear on. Right. commercials or you know as soundtracks on tv shows and stuff because a lot of these songs or a handful of these songs are very i wouldn't say overplayed but are a big part of our culture at least like you hear them all over the place yeah yeah absolutely but you know the funny thing about this album is that it was actually a failed scrapped project follow-up to tommy they were going to do another rock opera concept album it was going to be called Lifehouse. Oh, okay so what was the story with that? Why didn't it happen? It was super complicated. I guess uh, it was Pete Townsend's brainchild and the ideas were, they were going to make a movie and everything, but the script wasn't coming together and it was hard for him to explain. So they were trying to record songs of human spirit and that feeling that rock and roll can give you, but reality keeps you from experiencing it fully. And it was... Mm -hmm. This long story about society keeping people basically brainwashed, thinking that life is one way, but it's really there's really a full truth of yourself. I guess it was very convoluted, and many of these songs were written for that. But then they 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 just made it a regular album instead. Gotcha. Like my wife was written by John Entwistle, and that was brought in later. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other songs, I guess, were released throughout other albums. But uh, yeah, it was very complex. So they moved on and it came out great. I think letting uh, the audience take them for what they are rather than another deep engrossing story like Tommy where the songs, you don't get to interpret them your own way because the story yeah, tells you what they story. mean. Yeah. Uh, so the bargain was just a typical love song uh, lyrically. Townsend stated that the song was influenced by Indian music, Mahar Baba and... Um, it's just about losing one's ego as a devotee of Maher Baba, who he was really into his teachings at the time. So there's some spiritual stuff going on there. Is that the same Baba from Baba O'Reilly? Baba O'Reilly, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Good catch. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I was wondering what that song was about in particular. I've never heard of Baba O'Reilly before. <laughs> it's like, who is that? But it makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there was um, some of the... I guess they were going to try and take sounds from human voices and synthesize them through what were new computer synthesizers at the time. I mean, it's all now it's easy to do that, but to get some of those sounds so it was actually um, human music. So there was a lot of big ideas here. It turned out to just be a great rock and roll album with wonderful songs uh, that have lasted for decades. Uh, I'm going to play a... Second track, I'm going to play a little bit of Won't uh, Won't Get Fooled Again, which I think everybody knows, but there's some really incredibly iconic moments in it that I think are worth highlighting here. Yeah! Oh! Meet the new boss. Same as the old. 
So won't get fooled again. You know that scream. That is that is rock and roll in its purest form. Uh, Roger Daltrey's scream there, which everyone has heard that I'm sure. Yeah. But it, it, it and just the musicianship on these songs. Yeah. The the bass playing is out of this world. The drumming is unlike Dr- any other drummer ever. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the bass is John and, and while they're like, holy shit, he is a freaking monster. Watching them play live, he is just incredible. Everybody yeah. else is like very animated, and he's just like standing like a statue, but just like all over the fretboard, just yeah, incredible, yeah, incredible to watch him play. Like even the older songs, like My Generation. Yeah, talking about my generation, the little bass solos on there, boom, 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 really cool. It's, like craziness for yeah. for what the bass typically how it was typically used in rock in those days. So, yeah, this album just encapsulates the magic that that band had that was scattered throughout all the other albums. But to me, this is like the prime example. And I got into them because I was into Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder. One of his favorite bands was the Who, and that's when I started paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, they uh, would uh, they would cover quite a few of these songs on their yeah. live shows. Right? So as much as Lifehouse might have been an interesting adventure, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. This is uh, an album I think anyone that appreciates music and rock and roll should listen to in its totality. However, the streaming services do it a disservice, in my opinion. Yes. Extra songs. Uh, um, I couldn't find you know, a definitive version of this. Expanded it's... versions and all that stuff. Yeah. I have the vinyl. And it it ends with uh, won't get fooled again. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, the one the shortest one I could find was was a double album that has all these extra yeah. tracks and live outtakes and stuff. And yeah, I think you know if I would have no problem if you know especially those moments from we won't get fooled again were like in the Wikipedia entry for classic rock. You know, like I think that's a pretty safe definition of of what everybody gets excited about in this genre i mean it's classic it's 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 the epitome of classic yeah i mean some i'll just mention a couple of tracks that people know to make sure that they are drawn to the right up bob o'reilly um bargain going mobile maybe but behind blue eyes definitely and won't get fooled again are some of the big hit tracks but the in between is awesome so please go check out the who Who's next? You won't regret it. Try and listen to it on vinyl with a set of headphones on and pretend it's 1971. Yeah, I think everybody would like to do that for multiple reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I forgot for a minute. Thanks a lot, Andy, bringing, bringing the real world back. <laughs> All right. So for my old dog pick here, going back, but not quite as far back as the dude went there. Going back to the mid '90s, actually, this ties in pretty nicely with the uh, with your earlier pick there. Okay, Soho. Or, I'm sorry, Violent Soho. I'm talking about Faith No More and their fifth studio album, King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime. We are going to play a cut towards the beginning of the record. This is the gentle art of making enemies. Put a 
Alright, so that was a little taste of Gentle Art of Making Enemies from King From A Day, Fool For A Lifetime by Faith No More. So, as I said, this is their fifth studio album, the big follow-up to the much-acclaimed Angel Dust, um, which I think we maybe talked about at some point on the show, maybe a few years ago. <laughs> I think we touched on yeah, it. Yeah, we, you know, we used to do some different stuff. We didn't always play tracks, and a lot of times we would just like pick a year and mention a bunch of albums we liked from that year. So yeah. it probably came up, but <laughs> I don't think it, it hasn't been featured. Exactly, exactly. So this record, at least for me, Angel Dust is a, a great record, and I listen to it occasionally this one i feel like is a little bit easier just to put on and not to have to really get caught up in the songs are a bit more straightforward um still you know kind of that spastic energy you'd expect from a mike Patton led group um lots of genres are covered of course we have like r&b and even some country music and the carnival sounds you probably would expect from uh, faith no more Okay, so the big change this time around was the addition of the guitarist from Mr. Bungle, uh, Trey. He replaced uh, Jim Martin, who was a big part of the band uh, yeah. on their earlier records. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. we're 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 gonna have words about that as we as we <laughs> go through. Well, I think uh, you know this, these bands, especially the Faith No More in the '90s, here they had a lot of internal conflict i think there's a lot of big personalities you know and a lot of of uh, egos to keep in check so trey does a nice job filling in for the most part he doesn't really assert himself like you might expect to hear on a mr bungle record for me the big selling point on this record is mike Patton and just his sheer audacity of vocal range like he can go anywhere at any moment with seemingly little effort and of course you get his kind of dose of bizarre humor in here as well. Yeah, what are, what are your thoughts, man? I don't think we've really talked about this record before. No, I mean, I wasn't a big Faith No More follower back in those days. I mean, I liked um, The Real Thing, mm-hmm. 1989. Um, I liked Parts of Angel Dust when my friends played it for me. It was, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know much about them. I didn't know about Mr. Bungle. And I didn't really know about Mike Patton. I just knew they were a band that was kind of a funk metal mix. Yeah. And the metal is kind of gone here. And it just, later hearing Mr. Bungle music, this just sounds like Mr. Bungle to me. It doesn't sound like Faith No More to me. And I think with Jim went some of that, what I had attributed to their sound. I mean, I like Soul Invictus better than this one. Their most recent album. Really? (laughs) Yes, <laughs> so I'm glad that I gave it another listen. I liked it better than I remembered, and I think it's important to understand um, Mike Patton and their evolution as a band. So I see value from that. It's not yeah. my favorite. It's not my favorite of theirs. That's all I can really say. Hmm. Well, I wasn't really a fan at the time of them either. I wasn't like following how these these records came out. But I would say that there's not a lot of metal like you did have in their earlier records. So there's a little bit more kind of like a hard rock sound. But I like I like that. I think that's when they're at their best, personally. That's why you're talking about it today. <laughs> <laughs> there's only like maybe one or two songs that I don't love. The rest I really think are pretty great, uh, especially 
this next cut we're gonna play here, which is all the way from the end of the record, it definitely stands out as being a bit different. It's entitled Just a Mask. To hold the terrible power to whom only gods have lust. But me, I am just a man. Yeah, so that's uh, Mike Patton showing off his uh, pipes there a little bit on the kind of a slow burning track there at the end of the record, which I think is one of the standouts for me. Yeah, he's really, he just blew me away with his, his vocals. This is really the first time I heard him feature his range as much as he does on this record, which I think kind of got me interested in his solo projects, which would, or his other projects, which would you uh, very quickly get into after this record came out. So, yeah, I don't know. For me, I think this is the most fun Faith No More record that I would go back to. Okay, I could see that. I think it's maybe the most accessible if you're new to the band. I think this would be a good place to start. Though, obviously, Angel Dust is probably the most essential in terms of just rock, you know, legacy or to the genre. Yeah, I mean, I think the the real thing sounds a little dated yeah but it's i think it's the most comfortable because Mm. it sounds familiar you know yeah i guess so i mean at the time people thought that uh that it was the red hot chili peppers (laughs) i talked to people (laughs) thought that so (laughs) they definitely had that kind of funky funky rock thing going on back then but yeah this is definitely Cooler than I remember, and I'm glad I had an opportunity to come back to it. Uh, when I've listened to Faith No More over the last few years, I have not. I've listened to their whole discography, but I've skipped this one. So, thank you, Andy. <laughs> glad to uh, complete the uh, discography for you. Um, yeah, anyway, so that is Faith No More, King for a Day, Full for a Lifetime. I think it's a good place to jump off if you're not... a um super familiar with the bands um but yeah that's gonna do it for our records we picked out for today's show all you listeners out there welcome back tell us what you think uh, about these records and what you're listening to you can email us podcast at albumnerds.com yeah and uh you know don't forget to subscribe to the show i'd appreciate it on all the usual places uh yeah we're still on uh instagram and twitter at album nerds the dude also post stuff at album nerds dude i've been pretty bad about that lately too so i'll step it up if i see some people peeping on me <laughs> so <laughs> go check out it's just my personal record collection yeah um, make him do some work please yes <laughs> i've been lazy i think we've all been a little tired all right yeah. so we'll be back next time with more album recommendations for you uh can't wait talk to you then See ya. Thanks for listening. Later.